Welcome to the Karen Kenny Show. This is the place where we take a no bullshit look at life's little lessons. Here, together, we find the spiritual glory in even the most wicked hard story. This is a journey from fear back to love and how we can find our greatest strength and happiness in some of the most unlikely places. I believe that if you're willing to change your mind, you can totally change your life. So, are you ready to rewrite your story and choose to live free? Let's do this. Hey, you guys. Welcome to the Karen Kenny Show. I am wicked excited to be here with you today. You guys, you know what we're going to talk about today? I'm calling this one the scene of the crime. (laughs) Is it bad, you guys, that I crack myself up? The scene of the crime. And I'm going to tell you a little story about where the inspiration for this came from and how it got me thinking about um, the healing process that we often go through when we're trying to do spiritual uh, transformational work and personal uh, healing work. And uh, this is where this is where it, where it came from. So if you've been paying attention, if, if you're a loyal listener, if you listen to the show all the time, uh, then you heard me uh, mention a few times that May is a month that has a lot of uh, history for me, a lot of meaning for me, uh, especially when it, uh, around uh, my mom. This is the month that you know she was born. This is also the month that she was killed and she died. This is the Mother's Day month. This is like, there's so many anniversary things, birthday things, whatever that happened in May. And one of the things that I do every May in honor of my mother, because I like to create rituals. I often say to my um, one-to-one spiritual mentoring clients and also the members of my membership, uh, my spiritual membership and community, this amazing community that we have called the nest. I often talk to them about like, give your grief a job, right? Like give your grief a job. And one of the ways that I gave my grief a job over the years was creating rituals where I get to honor and remember my mother. And there's a lot of facets to this, but I'm just going to, I'm just going to zero in on one to make my point. Um, So each year on mother's day, um, depending on, you know, the weather, um, sometimes I'll go down on the anniversary of her death, but usually it's almost always on mother's day. I go down to the place where my mother's body was found. So literally I go down to the scene of the crime. Okay. So I remember the first time that, um, I found out like, this is where her body was found, etc. It's a place in Methuen, Massachusetts, but I remember meeting the district attorney, he was the assistant DA at the time that he tried her case, the prosecutor, um, right? So he was there in, uh, to, to speak for my mom, to, to seek justice for my mother. So he was the guy who uh, did the case. By the time I met him in like 99, 1999, uh, it had been like 18 mothers since my 18 years since my mother had been killed and he was now the DA. Uh, so he had done some work. His name was Kevin Mitchell. And so I was looking for answers, right? I was looking for answers to what had happened that night, what had happened to my mother, like what, you know, my writing mentor, Andre the III, has this great quote where he says, you know, we know what happened. 
we're not writing just to report what happened. We know the facts. We usually, we usually know what happened. But the question that we're asking is, what the fuck happened? Like, what the hell happened? Right. And that's really what I was doing. So when I um, asked to meet with him, I had left California, moved back to, to uh, the East Coast, and I wanted some damn answers once and for all, right? Because my family didn't really talk about it much. Um, so there's a lot of mystery and stuff around it. Um, and I knew, I knew enough, probably, I would say I knew enough to be dangerous. But the point that I'm trying to make here is that I literally went to the scene of the crime seeking answers. And it made sense in this case, as a writer, he chose the spot. He actually chose the spot and he said, let's meet here and I'll show you like where she was found, how she was found. We, he walked me through it and stuff like that. And I was doing it because I'm writing a book, right? I'm writing this memoir. It feels like I've been writing it for a friggin' million years, <laughs> but I'm really hot at work right now intensively of trying to get the first draft of the manuscript done. And so um, I was thinking about this, uh, this past Mother's Day, when I went down to Methuen and to take care, I also go to the cemetery on that day and I take care of her plot, but I always go to the place where um, she was found first, the scene of the crime. And while I was there, I started thinking about this, like how so often that this is what we do as humans when we are trying to heal. We think, now in my case, it made sense to do this because I was literally trying to have an experience as a writer to see the place, feel the place, get literally get some answers, okay? But what we often do just as human beings is we try to go back to the scene of the crime to get healing, to get answers, to find peace, to, to find um, forgiveness, to try and get the love that we needed to try and get those wounds healed. And the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, um, healing actually only happens in the present moment. We can't time travel back in space. I mean, sure. Like, let me, I, I always, I'm so aware nowadays, like having a quote unquote um, platform, meaning literally just a place where I get to use my voice and open my big mouth, right? I try not to use words like always, um, never, like, because I think that there can be a lot of different shades of gray and it can be really circumstantial. I think nowadays we, a lot of us have a habit, especially in our meme obsessed culture and our little spiritual quote culture, like, you know, we just throw stuff out there and we say things. And I almost always want to put in parentheses, sometimes, or maybe, <laughs> or in some situations, right? But often, let me just use that word, often we as humans try to go back and we think we can heal stuff that happened in the past by going back to the wound, going back to it in our memory or to the place or to the human being that caused the wound in the first place. Now, I know there are certainly some shamanic traditions and past life regressions, and there are people who believe, right, that they can take you back, kind of look at things then, you can travel, quote unquote, travel, and uh, get your answers answered, get your questions answered, rather. And one of the things that I find is that, you know, what one of the dangers of this is that we think, first of all, that the answer lies back there, 
So we incapacitate, incapacitate ourselves from understanding and recognizing that actually the healing takes place in the present moment right now. It's not just about going back and trying to get the information. It's really the intimacy, right? And, and Marianne C., who's a brilliant um, healer, is a woman who helped me to come to understand this. You've heard me say this before, um, and she was on my podcast too, so you can go and listen to that episode. But she says, information doesn't heal, intimacy heals. And I found for me, like physically, literally going to the place where my mother's body was found, that was wicked helpful for me because it put me in, in, in obviously wicked close proximity, physical proximity to where her body took her last breath. So it was the intimacy of that space that was helpful for me. But I wasn't necessarily going there at that time for anything more than just like concrete, factual evidence and answers, right? Um, I wasn't going there expecting to be healed by going to that place. But we often do this in our personal relationships, especially with our, our families of origin or our earliest caretakers, our parents, our guardians, our siblings, whatever. You know, we know that saying where they say you can't really ever go home again, right? I think so often we try to go back or we try to go home. We go look, I, I talk about it like this. It's like we go looking for healing right? From the same people who actually committed the crime, <laughs> right? In the first place, we, we, go, we go back hoping, right? That there can be some sort of conversation or they're going to finally apologize or they're finally going to say the words. It's going to make it all better. And we go back to the scene of the crime, trying to get healing and comfort and love from the damn people who committed the crime in the first place. Because that's the fantasy, right? I think about this. I think traumatized kids, we, we often fantasize about somebody coming to save us. And so often we want it to be the damn people that hurt us in the first place. And something that was so powerful that Linda Ty, if you have not, if you can hear the sound of my voice right now, and you have not listened to my episode, like a couple of episodes ago, uh, our, our stories, our bodies hold our stories with trauma expert, somatic therapist, Linda Tai. You have got to go listen to, well, you don't have to do anything. I'm highly encouraging you to go listen to that episode. There's a moment in that episode where she says, um, you know, that we have to make peace with, we have to accept the fact that that ship has sailed. In AA or in Al-Anon or in a lot of 12-step recovery programs, you'll hear, um, or sister programs of recovery programs, you'll often hear, right, the, the saying, you can't build a better past. And I always found that so um, incredibly helpful because what it, it kept reminding me is, is I can't go back and change the shit that happened. What's done is done. You know, a lot of people hate that phrase. It is what it is. But as far as the past goes, it is what it is. It was what it was. And we cannot time travel and go back there. And often that's not where we're going to find any peace or good answers or anything anyways. Sometimes the people who quote unquote committed the crime, right? And I'm not talking about literally crimes that will send you to jail. The crimes of the hot betrayals, abuse, um, incest, rape, like more, all the different, the thousand and one ways that humans are brutal and unkind and hurt each other, right? We can't always go back um, and 
get things wrapped up in a nice, neat little bow. Sometimes the people have died. Sometimes the place no longer exists. Sometimes it's not a safe place to go back. You don't want to go back there anyways. So we have to make peace with the fact that our healing will have to happen in the present moment. And actually, you know, that fantasy of like, oh, um, you know, somebody's going to come and save me. And if it's not the original offenders, right, we think somebody else is going to save us. And whether that's a therapist or a coach or a spiritual mentor or a priest or like somebody else is going to come and save us. It's like, no, those people can maybe create a space where your own healing can happen. But we have to on some, well, again, we don't have to, but the work that I do is helping people to understand that they're the one they've been waiting for, that we're the ones that are going to save ourselves and participating in our own healing. The scene of the crime is in the past. What's done is done. That's where it happened. But we have to, to kind of like, transport ourselves to be incredibly present because it's in the here and now and by paying attention, like paying attention is one of the greatest ways that we show love. Being present is one of the greatest ways that we show love to bear witness. And so to have an external teacher or an external like community or support group, I mean, look, I started a community in a membership because I know how powerful it is for other people to do this work and walk together. So we're not alone. But nobody can do that work for us. Like we have got to do it ourselves. What an external teacher can do is we keep pointing back to the internal teacher. We try to ask the right questions to help, you know, clients or members or whoever to see that the answers lie within themselves that they have ultimately everything that they need. But sometimes when we're trying to figure it out, especially if it has something to do with something that was, it was terrifying and terrorizing and traumatic, you know, it is very helpful to have an external guide like a, a, a therapist or somebody who is certified to actually help in that area. Um, it's really important that you um, vet your helpers, you know what I'm saying? That you do your homework. Uh, and make sure that the help that you're looking for, that the person that you hire, give money to, or put your trust in actually has the credentials and the ability, the results, right? They, they have some sort of pattern of results that they can show to you. Like, yes, I do know how to help people or I'm certified or I've done this myself, et cetera, et cetera. Right. You know, the, they know that old song, like looking for love. You don't want me to sing. Trust me. <laughs> All right, a little ditty, looking for love in all the wrong places, right? You, you know that song? <laughs> Some of you who, who might be listening to Wicked Young, you may not know that song. But there's that old, old song, looking for love in all the wrong places. And that's what happens when we try to go back to, again, the quote unquote scene of the crime. Because oftentimes those people who hurt you, let's say they are still alive. You might not be in relationship with them anymore. You might not have contact with them anymore, but maybe sometimes nor should you. Because one of the things that I've experienced in my own life is the people who perpetuated the crime in the first place, if they also haven't done their own healing work, they don't have the capacity to even number one, recognize what they've done. Number two, 
Um, acknowledge it. Number three, apologize. Take accountability for it. A lot of times you go back to the scene in the crime and what you do is you get offended again. You get hurt again because the person that you're hoping is now finally going to see you or value you or miss you or love you or compliment you or, or whatever, say they're proud, like whatever the thing is, they may not have the capacity to do it because they have not bothered to do their own work. And so either they're the same or they're worse or it's just not gonna, if you, especially if we go in with an expectation, like I need this from you in order for me to finally be at peace, to finally, whatever. Like so much I think of healing work is we have to embrace a little bit of, of, of mystery. Sometimes we might not be able to get like the whole answers. And that's part of what happened to me. Uh, what I'm writing about in my memoir, like in that particular thing, um, facts are different sometimes, right? Like knowing things, it's, it's like we can kind of know what happens, but we often have like a limited, um, limited access to like what the hell happened. So we can imagine what happened. We can try to um, put some pieces together and cobble together enough of a story to go like, oh, this is probably what happened based on the evidence or whatever. In my case, literally like evidence and uh, witness testimonies and stuff like that. But really this is, you know, a little love letter from my hat to yours about um, kind of dealing with the disappointment, right? Extending a kind hand to you. Cause I, I know that there's a disappointment sometimes that comes with, with like, why won't they just apologize? I just want to go back and change it. I wish it could have been different. Why couldn't they see that I was a good kid? Why couldn't they love me? Why couldn't they fill in the blank? Again, the thousand and one ways that we hurt each other. But the wound doesn't get healed back where the wound was created. The solve, the bomb, um, the medicine is in the here and the now. And however we do that, right? Some of us do it through getting a library card and going to the library and reading some books. Some of us do it by getting access to some YouTube videos. Some of us do it by going on transformational retreats. Some of us do it by going to lectures and taking training. Some of us, you know, uh, really invest. And some people go to centers like Kripalu and Esalen and Omega, and they study with the people who wrote those books, right? Some people go to therapy. Some people come to people like me who do spiritual mentoring, right? To help us shift our perception from fear to love, to rewrite our stories, to try to make sense. And, and so much of it sometimes too, is we're trying to come at it from a rational perspective, right? We're trying to make sense of senseless actions, senseless violence, sem senseless harm. And you know that, 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 you know, saying it's, everybody says it now, it's like hurt people, hurt people. So we see like this generational trauma, just like being rolling down the fucking hill. And it's just like, oh my God, it's going to be passed on to the next one unless unless, you know, the kids who were, and let's, you know, I, I, I'm, there's a lot of talk in self-help communities, a lot of talk in uh, mindset communities and coaching communities, spiritual communities about, you know, um, you know, shifting, shifting your mind, 
shifting your perspective, um, getting out of victim mentality. Now, I use the word victim. Um, I often talk about it like this. When we're little kids, right, that's when we're really victims. When, when in the moment when you're being harmed or hurt or raped or killed or bashed or like whatever's going on, there are definitely moments in time. Like I, I try to be really responsible with that word now more than ever. I don't know if I always have been. Uh, I, I've, I've tried to, to, to be very mindful uh, the older I get, not just throwing words around. Um, but there have been times in our lives when we've been victimized. When we now, in whatever the time frame is, in, in everybody's um, turnaround time, right, for healing, forgiveness, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, is different. And only we as individuals, only you as an individual can decide for you when that is. But I think that there are times in life when we have been victimized, whether or not we're going to continue five months, five years, 50 years, 45 years, whatever, later, continue to play that role to re-victimize ourselves again and again and again. And we do this, we can re-traumatize ourselves in, in a lot of different ways. I'm not putting the blame on anybody. I'm just trying to like make my point here. Um, you know, there comes a time when we have an opportunity to say, I'm going to take back my power and to recognize the thing that I was seeking, I now understand I cannot get it from my past or from that person, from that place. It's only going to happen in the present. And this is when we can find resources. This is when we can ask for help and get help, hopefully, right? And it's really important, you guys. And, and you know, I'm, I'm sharing this because uh, I experienced it myself in my own life. Like, you know, it's, it's people perpetuate it and do it to themselves. Like when, when a relationship breaks up because you know, it's no good, but then you get sad and you miss them and you try to get back together. And it's like, oh, we're just going to keep ripping this bandaid off. We're going to keep going back and trying to make it work with this person. When the universe has already clearly like made it, made it clear to the both of you, like maybe this partnership isn't, isn't, you know, isn't working anymore, right? Let's not go back to the scene of that crime, right? So in the present moment is when we can start showing up for ourselves and to, um, you know, make different choices and to understand the capacity for the ones who hurt us to actually take responsibility because a lot of them won't. A lot of the quote unquote victimizes, right? They're not going to be able to own up to it. They're not going to be able to say they're sorry because they have so much of their own shame and their own guilt. And to have to, 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 to admit it is like so painful to them because they're trying to forget about it too. So there's a lots, lots of different ways, you know, to do the work. And I think we have to find out which ones work best for us. And I think that, you know, healing, uh, having a community or a group, again, it's why I created The Nest, when people are trying to do this kind of work, you know, you guys have heard me say that my meditation teacher, one of my spiritual teachers, Eknath Ashwaran, you know, Ashwaran always says that when you're trying to do incredible work to change yourself, to grow, uh, to step into your greatest capacity. Uh, it's really helpful to have, like he, he talks about it like salmon swimming upstream against the current, 
right? You are literally trying to go against the stream of life and the way things normally are. And when you're trying to change yourself, change old habits and patterns and conditioned behaviors and thinking, it is wicked helpful to have super strong swimmers next to you. And that's how I think of the NAS. And that's how I think of when I'm working with people one-on-one too. It's like, how can I, how can I always say, you want, you want a leader, you want a leader, a teacher, a guide who is not going to tucker out on you, who is not going to tire out on you, who's not going to give up, who's going to keep going and who's going to keep trying to cut, you know, like through, through the jungle with the machete laying down the path for you. And that's what a really good teacher does. It's what a really good mentor does or a coach does or a leader does, right? Is we can save you time. We can save you time and energy. And we can try to make, it's because it's, it's kind of like we go first and we're like, look out for the rattlesnake, look out for the cliff. Hey, this is the place where the hole is or the drop-off is. Hey, this is where people usually get tucked out. This is when they start losing their faith. This is when they get exhausted, right? This is when in the, in the field of poppies, when you just want to lay down and take a nap, like in Wizard of Oz. <laughs> so you guys, we all have some sort of scene of the crime. In my case, it's literal, but we also have some emotional scenes of the crimes. And I just want to encourage us, like, it's one thing to go back and collect data. It's one thing to go back and it's like, and I have to do that. Writers have to do that all the time, especially memoir writers. Those of us who write real life is like, we have to be able to place ourselves back in that space and time. Like I literally have to kind of let my body. And I sometimes physically go to places like I drive there, but also just in my mind to re-envision those places. And if we don't have some good internal stabilizers, like my DSP, my daily spiritual practice, and amen, hallelujah, thank you for my inner teacher and my spiritual team, because they're part of what's helping me. I also have external help, but they're part of what's helping me to be able to revisit those scenes of the crimes without totally re-traumatizing myself, right? With, with being able to be there to reflect, and I've done a shit ton of work. That, I don't need um, pats on the backs or claps for it. I did it for me. I did it for me, but by doing it for me, it has also allowed me to be able to help others do their work too. I get to help hold a safe space and container as people are navigating their own bloody crime scenes, right? As they're, as they're trying to heal from the past. And so much of the work is keeping them and bringing them into the present moment. And I always say, we can retell the story. We can look at the story. We got to hear the story. We got to know what happened. Right? We got to till that soil and get down to the root of things, get a little muddy and dirty, but we don't stay there because that's not where the love is. It's in the here and now. It's in the present moment. So I hope you guys that this was helpful to you in some way. Because you might have found yourself, right, trying to like romanticize, like we do this, we have those fantasies, right? Like I'm going to go back and it'll be different. Or if I could just go back and my dad could finally tell me he loved me or he was proud of me, or I could go back and I could save them or like whatever, right? Because we all have, oh, we all have a million stories of how we've suffered, you know? And that's like, like in the nest, you know, so many people who come into the nest, they all have such incredible, um, in, or most of them, I would say, but everybody has a story. They might not all have like, like super dramatic, right? Like storylines, but we all know suffering. We all know what it is to suffer, to lose people, to have grief, to be embarrassed, to have shame, um, 
to, to a, lot of, a lot of people, right? Uh, just all over the world, like in recovery, trying to do better, trying to get right, trying to get clean, trying to a thousand things, right? But now is the holy instant. Now is the magical moment. Now is the time where the divine can help you to return to love, to return to the truth of yourself, to understand that who you are is one of God's kids, is an extension of the divine as the light of the world. I always say, you know, they killed my mother's body, but they could not kill her. She lives on. Who she really is as spirit, as a spiritual being, lives on. Just like me, when I shed this skin, this meat puppet, this spirit sausage, <laughs> when I shed this, this old sausage of a body, right? Um, I'm not being mean to myself. I'm just saying it's made up of flesh, right? When this fleshy meat puppet thing dies, I'll continue on in some energetic form and because uh, that's how it works. But in the meantime, right, I wanna try and, and do as much healing and as much good and, and be as helpful as I can. And it's not helpful. It's not helpful uh, for most of us to go looking for love in all the wrong places. So that's what I got for you this week, you guys. Um, I hope that this has been helpful in some way. If you have a friend who could, you know, maybe hear this message or maybe it was just for you. It's from my hat to your hat. And I hope it landed. That's always my hope with these shows is that somehow um, I'm going to share something, some sort of a spiritual concept or story or something, spirituality and storytelling, right? Like that's my playground. That's where I have the most fun. <laughs> so also with animals, PS, by the way. Um, but you guys, that's it. Healing happens in the present moment. Um, and so creating a DSP, daily spiritual practices, where we can train the mind to be here now, right? To come into the present moment through meditation, contemplation, prayer, journaling, whatever it is, mindfulness, right? Breath work to be here now because, and to, and to get good help when, when we need it and to know that asking for help uh, is not weak. It's actually incredibly strong because some of those crime scenes are bloody and messy, and just fucking hard and difficult. Um, and sometimes we need a little help navigating them and getting over to the other side of, of moving from fear to love. So I love you guys. And here's the thing, you guys, if, if you are not already on my mailing list, if you are a podcast listener, but you are not in my world other than like you tune in to the show, I would love for you to come and join, join us. Okay. So you can simply, there's two ways to do this. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you one, if you just want to get on the list, you don't want any free shit. You don't want a bunch of emails, all that stuff. If you just want to get on the list, just go to Karen Kenny, K-E-N-N-E-Y.com, KarenKenny.com slash sign up one word. But if you do want a freebie, if you do want a fun little free gift uh, on how to build your spiritual team, then you can do the same thing. Just it's karenkenny.com slash freebie. Go check that sucker out. But either way, it will bring you into my world where you'll hear from me. You'll get this podcast delivered right into your inbox. You'll also get um, an additional newsletter where I tell stories each week, send out some love kind of like I do here when I feel inspired. And it's just a great way for us to stay connected. And I would love that. So you guys, wherever you go, I'm getting ready. I'm heading outside, man. It's beautiful out. I'm going to go take a run, a slow, a slow, hot run. <laughs> 
Uh, I'm going to get my ass outside. But before I go, I just want you to know that I appreciate you so much for listening. Uh, I celebrate you. Uh, I love you. I hope this has been helpful. Um, and uh, wherever you go, may you leave the people, the place, the animals, the environment better than how you found it. Wherever you go. Yeah. Wherever you go, do not make a scene of the crime. Wherever you go, may you actually be a blessing. Bye. Hey, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Karen Kenny Show. <laughs> I super duper appreciate your time, friendship, and support. And look, if something that I shared from my heart today somehow landed in yours, I'd love to hear about it. So please tag me on Facebook or Instagram or IG stories or wherever the cool kids are hanging out these days and let me know what your favorite pot was or what you found most helpful. You can find me over at Karen Kenny Live. That's Karen, K-E-N-N-E-Y-L-I-V-E. And if you're digging what I'm saying and you want to hear more, I'd be wicked grateful if you could go to iTunes and subscribe and leave a review because you guys, that's how you'll help me to keep spreading the love. And if you can think of someone that could benefit from hearing this episode, please share it with them. I'd also love to stay connected with you. So if the feeling is mutual, please go to karenkenny.com backslash freebie and download my free guide to building your spiritual team. Until next time, my brothers and sisters, keep living in the fearless flow. Know that I see you, I appreciate you, and I love you. And wherever you go, may you be a blessing. <laughs>